Not sure what your Father's Day tradition is in your home, if you have one or not. Uh, since you don't uh, have a microphone, I guess you can't really share. But I'll share the one at, at the Levering household. Most special occasions, birthday or holiday or some sort, get uh, breakfast in bed. So I was greeted by breakfast in bed this morning and um, had a, a bag of, of things for me. And of course... Uh, Obviously, breakfast was the main one, but uh, uh, then I had some other things, including uh, Grace got me this little pen right here. You probably can't see it. I'll tell you, it says Rad Dad, which is a totally dad kind of pen to wear. So I appreciate that. And of course, um, close to my heart, they're always thinking I get my Chick-fil-A gift card. So (laughs) use that probably all up tomorrow. Um, It just can't be said really enough and with enough emphasis, especially in our culture today. Uh, people are really uh, first to, to hit on men and uh, toxic max- masculinity. And, and there's so many unsung heroes, so many men that do a great job Leading, setting an example, uh, leading their children specifically to the Lord, being intentional and purpose about, purposeful about not just praying for their families, but with their families. Men who serve in various capacities here. We're going to talk about a number of those men this morning. Uh, it is just truly wonderful. And uh, we really do at Northside, our church believes in fathers. That, that affirms fathers and stands behind them. Let me just ask you this morning if, I know you don't want to because you're all comfortable now, but if you're a dad, if you're a stepdad, if you're a granddad, if you're a great-granddad, if you're a dad-to-be, uh, would you stand this morning? From, from us to you, thank you for what you do. Not just today, but each and every day, because the, the, the impact and the legacy that you leave makes a difference. So thank you to all of our men, and what, what, whatever way that you serve and however you serve, you are doing what God has commissioned you to do. And, and I want to charge you, not just to thank you for what you've been doing, but to charge you to keep doing that, uh, to keep expanding your impact in your family with your kids, with your grandkids, with prayer pals, with teenagers. Uh, continue to expand that and choose each day to be a purposeful, intentional, God-fearing, Christ-following father. And when you do your job as God designed you to do, uh, the impact is undeniable that you will make. And so from us to you, thank you. You may have a Now, I will say, Father's Day, as with Mother's Day, is always kind of a hard day, uh, because there are some who didn't have great dads or 
God forbid, maybe you had an abusive dad, uh, and our hearts are with you. Maybe you didn't have a dad who, who cared too much about you or who, who brought you to church or who led you in a spiritual way. And I want you to know that when you're a part of Northside, you, you, you get one of the benefits of being a part of that family is getting a group of men who they may not be related to you biologically, but they absolutely are intentional and purposeful and seeking to help you grow and mature in Christ. So if you've got a good dad who's been doing the right things, I hope today is a blessing to him, and I hope you tell him thank you. Uh, Just that's one of the best things you can do. It's simple, but it's powerful. If you didn't have a great dad, you don't have a great dad, I hope that you know that you've got a perfect father, and he can work in spite of imperfect human beings, and he he can, and I know that he will. And I was trying to think, you know, how, do, how can we really emphasize that? You know, because in churches, even, I'll be honest, sometimes Mother's Day is like this big thing, and, and we cancel everything. Nothing happens, and some churches do, you know, handing out flowers and different things, and, and I'm not saying anything negative. I'm just saying there's this all this, and then Father's Day is kind of like, oh, oh yeah, there's fathers too. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I thought, what could we do to really show fathers our appreciation? And I was thinking, I can't get them all Chick-fil-A gift cards. Can't, not quite there yet. But I have a few connections. And so This morning, oh man, this is so fun. (laughs) This morning, all of the men that stood, or, you know, dads, granddads, stepdads, any kind of fatherly, influential person is what I'm addressing here. As you leave this morning, can I I have my uh, my teen volunteers stand up for just a minute? I've I've got a group of volunteers. They're going to be standing at the exit doors. And as you leave this morning... Courtesy of the good, you guys can sit down. Courtesy of the good folks at Chick Fil A, all of our dads, granddads, uh, stepdads, uh, and the like. Uh, if you're a father figure this morning, you get a free Chick Fil A chicken sandwich on your way out the door. Now, obviously, couldn't work out bringing them hot and fresh and all that. You may or may not know they're closed on Sunday. Um, if not, you'll figure that out today. Um, but they they have a free sandwich card. And uh, those are our, our compliments and our gifts and just our way of saying thank you to what you do and the impact you make. So dads, granddads, stepdads, be sure to pick one up from one of our teen volunteers. They'll be posted at the door and uh, uh, they're just going to hand them out and thank you to what you do and who you do it for. Could I just ask, since you're receiving such a blessed gift from above, because I can tell you, there's not many churches that that will happen this morning, okay? If you, dads, or whoever receives the card, when you redeem that, would you just take a picture with you and your family or whoever you're impacting and just tag, either tag Northside in it or tag Chick-fil-A West Wichita uh, and, and, and let, let us see <laughs> um, all of the ways in which 
dads are being blessed. So if you'll just, if you'll tag uh, either Northside or, or Chick-fil-A, we can say thank you to them because that was a super generous thing to do and we really appreciate it. So pick up that today on your way out the door. Um, today, and really we're in sort of almost a tail end of a series talking about biblical leadership. And we've talked about why biblical leadership matters and why that's important and how biblical leadership is so different from leadership in the world and even leadership that you might hear of in churches. It's not one guy in charge. It's not one group in charge of all the churches. It's a group of men who called to be elders and shepherds. And we talked about who they are last week, about that they're uh, elders, shepherds, uh, the, the Greek terms of of Episcopos and Poimen uh, that, that tell us and give us a sense of what who these men are and how they're qualified, the qualities of these men, these men who lead their families well, who are wise and disciplined and who have respectable reputations, these are the kind of men that we seek. Shepherds are a certain quality of man. As you uh, opened up your handout this morning, you probably received a handout, or you should have a handout like this. Now, hopefully you're paying enough attention that this is not a surprise. Uh, if it is a surprise, you don't know, have any idea what it's about, you need to catch the rest of this series on the podcast or on Vimeo, and you'll know what it's about. But basically, we are asking now the congregation, starting today, to prayerfully consider the biblical and scriptural qualifications of an elder. Go back to 1 Timothy chapter 3, Titus chapter 1 and look at those and then think about the men that you know and hopefully you've been already doing that thinking over them and praying over them considering their wives and their family their reputations, their impact, their wisdom reputation and all of that and uh, we would ask you to make uh, uh, put some names down and turn those in now you may ask, where do you turn those in? At the back of the auditorium are these locked boxes. They say something about for prayer requests and things like that. But you can put those blue sheets in those locked boxes. That's where we'd like them. Those will be directed to, right to our shepherds. And uh, they're going to give you here a couple of weeks to do that. So we'll pass out these blue sheets again next Sunday. And uh, we certainly want everyone to be thinking about it prayerfully considering, hopefully maybe you've spent some time in dedicated devotion, prayer, and fasting for uh, this new group of men that we are seeking. We want to seek God's heart as we seek those who lead us. Question for you. Have you ever been to the elder's office? It's a little intimidating if you've been there, you know. You take your shoes off and you go through the curtains, and it's filled with smoke, and uh, it's not quite that bad. I'm being a little facetious, but there's this long table in there, uh, and uh, it's surrounded by swivel chairs, eight swivel chairs, and so you get a sense of business, but they're swivel chairs, so you also get a little bit of fun in there, too. Um, in the middle of the table, as you'll see in this picture, is a, is a huge monstrous bowl of mints. And, and, and this is a claim I can make unapologetically. Our shepherds have the best breath in the brotherhood. I mean, just try it this morning. When you just find an elder as you're talking to them, just, just inch very close, just kind of, just get as close as you can without it being awkward and just, 
Just inhale deeply and, and, and feel the waft of minty freshness. Uh, these are Brother Banaka, I guess is what we call it. They are, uh, this room is a room much like the rest of the church building, I guess. It's, it's full of laughter, sometimes full of tears, sometimes full of silence as they make hard decisions. It's, it's a place of introductions as a new family comes in. It's a place of goodbyes as they bless a family that's preparing to move or to leave. It's a place of blessings, and it's sometimes even a, a place of hard decisions. This is a special place. Maybe you've, you've been there. I, I'll ask for a audience participation. Raise your hand if you've been because you came to Northside as a new member and you went to the, the shepherd's office there, okay? Uh, it, raise your hand if you've been there because the elders or shepherds called you in just to pray over you and with you and for you and your family, all right? Uh, raise your hand if you've been there because they wanted to uh, talk about ministry, ministry that you lead or a ministry that you're thinking of taking up. Raise your hand, okay? Uh, raise your hand if, if you went there to ask something of them or maybe if they went to ask you there to ask something of you. Raise your hand, okay? Raise your hand. Well, I won't ask you to raise your hand on this one, but maybe you've been there when you had to tell them something hard, or maybe they had to tell you something hard. It's a special place, but it's not a special place because of it's you know anything holy or blessed or magical about the room. It's a it's a special place because of the men who occupy it and the seriousness with with which they take their responsibilities. Our shepherds do a ton in that room to bless so many of us in this room. Now, of course, it's all not limited to that room. We understand there's a lot of things that they do, but they do that for our benefit and our blessing. Today, we're going to learn about the kinds of things that our elders, also called our shepherds, are called to do. Let's hit that next slide. Elders are called, as we've looked at in 1 Peter chapter 5 and was read this morning, uh, elders are shepherds. I exhort you, uh, the elders among you, as a fellow elder, Peter says, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory of Christ uh, that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but willingly eagerly, not domineering those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. You see, it's more than just an office. And sometimes, especially kind of in the Church of Christ, we tend to elevate it like an office or a grand title. And that, when you when you go back to the book, and you get a picture of, of what it is that elders do and who they're called to be, you figure out that it's far more than just a holy board of directors. There is more to it than that. They have many responsibilities, and this morning I want to look at very quickly with you five basic responsibilities 
And why do we do that? Because as you think about these men that you're going to write their names on the uh, blue sheet and you're thinking about their reputation and their family life and their example, their wisdom and their discipline, and you're, you're thinking about their wives and you're thinking about all of this, you, you also want to ask, do I see these, this man that I'm writing down, do I see him doing these things? First is, obviously, they lead. And Paul wrote to first... Paul wrote in 1 Timothy to Timothy, he said, let those who rule well, you need to back that slide up just one frame if you don't mind, let the elders who rule well, 1 Timothy 5.17, be worthy of double honor. And he goes on to say, especially those whose role is preaching and teaching. Now, I told you before, I'm not an elder. I'm technically not a pastor because I'm not scripturally qualified. But if I were, and I, that would be kind of to who's, who's Paul talking to, there are some elders who, who also preach, and they are, are devote full-time effort for that, to that. And so he's saying... you. Pay special attention to those who do that well. Now, none of our elders sort of, you know, all of them do it in a volunteer basis. But, but there's an essence that I want to focus on that phrase that Paul uses, those who rule well. You know whether it's in the place where you work or, or with a, a colleague that sometimes there are people who are over you in title but not over you as a leader. They don't, they aren't respected. They aren't considered. They have no influence. They might have the title, but they don't have the influence. That's what Paul's speaking of. Use, uh, uh, consider those who use their influence well. Shepherds lead and they are called to lead us in two ways. First is directly. I mean, sometimes they, the elders will say, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we need you to do this, we need your leadership, and that is the indirect leadership, the kind that Paul refers to when he writes to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 11. He says, follow my example, which is a pretty hefty uh, command, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. The ESV says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So think about this now, not just for our current elders, but any men that you might nominate. Would you say that I could imitate, that I would want my children, my grandchildren to, to follow their example? That's a, that's a pretty good uh, test of leadership there. Uh, so shepherds lead us in, in those two ways, and we have to give consideration to those who do it well and think about those as we consider bringing uh, new leadership among us. Um, as we consider again First Peter 5, think about this. Shepherds, using the metaphor here, shepherds who are leading a group of sheep cannot just be content to have a bunch of sheep grazing on a hillside. Because what will happen? If those sheep just stay put, a lot of bad things are going to happen. Okay? The first is they're going to run out of food. They're going to overgraze the land. They've got to, they got to keep moving to prevent starving. The second thing is as they sit there, Obviously, the, the wolves and the coyotes, any sort of preying animal becomes aware of where the shepherd has to do a couple of things. He has to not just consider where the flock is, but also where the flock is going. 
where they're headed. Uh, and they have to make sure they're well-fed and they're protected and all that, but there's this leadership element to it that is so important for shepherds. The second thing shepherds do is that they protect. Now, I kind of referred to that in the explanation there. But shepherds know that sheep are inherently high-value targets. Uh, their meat is uh, richly desired by the wolf. And uh, they're not very capable of defending themselves. Uh, they are easily uh, taken from the side or from behind. Uh, they don't pay attention a lot to the way to the, everything that's going on around them. So shepherds have a, a protective mentality. The, see, uh, sheep often forget that they are targets, that they are prey, that they're being preyed upon. And sometimes shepherds even have to protect as wolves come into the flock. That doesn't happen a lot because our elders are diligent. But there have been times at Northside when some from among us have sought to divide us, have sought to say, hey, how about we go over here? How about we go over there? How about we do this? Or how about you follow me? Uh Uh-uh, that does not fly with our shepherds because they understand that's the work of the enemy, not an enemy. You understand that the the wolf understands his best way to get at the flock is to get them to scatter. As long as he can stop them from listening and trusting their shepherds, then at the moment of attack, those sheep will instinctively become fearful and scatter. And the moment they begin to scatter is the moment that the odds of success for the enemy go way up. So the scriptures say, Acts chapter 20, I hope you're following along this morning. We're at Acts chapter 20, page 1193. Paul here writing to the shepherds at the church at Ephesus, the elders there. And it's a a long address. We're not going to go through it line by line, but I just want to pull out this part, starting about verse 28 of Acts chapter 20. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Now look what Paul says here. This is interesting. He says, after, uh, I, I, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Now, I'm not going to go into details, but just to say there have been times at North Side when some have sought to do this. But because our shepherds have been diligent about not just leading the flock, but having a sense of protection about the flock, and not a, not a guardedness where they never go anywhere, not a, not a let's just put them all in a bubble and, and, and protect them so to keep them out of all kinds of trouble, but I mean a, a protective sense, like the fathers protecting their children we watched this morning. How do fathers do that? Because they have a protective instinct. They, they sense when trouble, they sense when the sheep are getting fearful, they sense when there's division happening, and good shepherds sense that, and they say, we got to Nip that in the bud. We, we put that to a stop. They do that because they love the sheep, by the way. 
Hebrews chapter 13. I think we've referenced it, but I, I wanted to, to go and, and jump right into it for this particular sermon. Because the writer of Hebrews says, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, page 1290. He says something that to me, this is what keeps elders awake at night. Not long meetings, not big things, not, not, not issues about the budget, not, not this. I mean, those things have to be done, but writer of Hebrews says this, obey your leaders and submit to them, which by the way, in this culture does not like, well, I don't want to respect them. I don't. If you're following the book, pay attention to what the book from your father says about your leaders. Obey your leaders, and submit to them, for they, and if you haven't underlined this verse and highlighted it, please do, are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Elders and shepherds carry something that you and I cannot relate to, and that is this. When they watch someone turn away from Jesus, when they watch someone fall away, when they watch someone fall to the enemy, they carry a burden because they understand, scripturally speaking, that someday the Father will say, I need to know about that one. Help me understand why we lost that one. That's pretty big. That's very important. May we, God forbid that we ever become so full of pride to disrespect or, or, or disobey or refuse to submit to our shepherds because they have more than just your soul in mind. They have a thousand plus other souls to keep in mind. And sometimes you become a, get a self-willed person and they have a my way or the highway attitude and they care nothing about what it would do to the body, how it would hurt weak Christians. You know, shepherds do that. And so we submit to them, we obey them, not because they're lording it over us, good shepherds don't do that, but because they love us and because that we understand that someday they have to account for our souls and all the north side souls. The third thing's Third of the things that shepherds do is that they mature the flock. Shepherds want sheep to grow and mature in Christ. You know, shepherds aren't just okay with having the, the young lambs and the tiny sheep. They want them to grow. They want them to be productive. They want them to be an a, uh, uh, established member of the flock and to be where they need them. The owner or the shepherd themselves needs them to be. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12, the Apostle Paul says, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and who are over you in the Lord and admonish you. We have to trust in their wisdom. And that they know more than we have privilege or right to know. And we have to believe that they want us to, they want us all to grow in Christ. Now, we say at Northside, our mission is to help everyone to know Christ and grow in Christ. That sounds like a great mission. It's a little more 
dicey when it becomes, you know, the logistics of it. Because you think about, you think about from, from this side all the way to this side, and even those who aren't here, those who are joining us online. And there's a, people at a lot, many different places in their journey with the Lord. There are those here who are not in Christ. Those maybe who are watching us who are not in Christ. There are those who are very new to Christ. There are those who have, uh, who are very young in Christ. There are those who are very mature in Christ. They may have been a Christian for many years, but they're spiritually immature. There are those who are leading who they need them to lead to the next level. That's a big, big task to be considerate of people and sheep at all levels. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And I do realize we have a lot of scripture this morning. I make no apology for that. But if I'm going too fast, I really want to encourage you to download the lesson, listen to it again, because the scriptures are what will guide us from God and by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4 Verses 11 through 15. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves, and carried by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, and by deceitful schemes, but rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way, into him who is the head, into Christ. You see, shepherds are ones who are charged with that. It's not just how many people do you have on the membership role. It is what are you doing to help equip and minister to and grow each of those servants from where they are. And by the way, especially if you're your first time at Northside, we love everyone just as you are. We accept you just as you are. But in the same way that Jesus loves you and accepts you right where you are, he loves you far too much to leave you there. He wants you to grow. Don't you know when Jesus called the 12 apostles, whether they were sitting at a tax collector's booth or, or sitting on the edge of a boat there at Galilee, that Jesus had in mind for them more than even they had in mind for them? Good shepherds do the same thing. Good shepherds have in mind for you not just where you are, but where God is leading you. Good shepherds have a desire to mature the flock forth. Shepherds nurture the flock. They feed you by teaching you. We know many of our shepherds are involved in teaching in the adult Bible classes, maybe on Wednesday night. They have a, a capability to, as Titus 1.9, the verses which we've been looking at, in verse 9 he says, he should be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. 
Elders are not just people who know the word, but they're able to explain the word. And when they hear the word being misexplained, misapplied, taught in an incorrect way, in a spirit of love, speaking the truth, they'll gently say, let's think about, let's think about how you taught that. Let's think about how that might be received. Good shepherds are able to nurture the flock by teaching. They also nurturing by what I call soul care, by, by tending to not just the intellectual, the mind, the, the, the word, but the needs of the body. Raise your hand and keep it up. Raise your hand if you have ever been visited by a shepherd in the hospital. Keep it up. Raise your hand if you've ever been prayed with or for when you had a family member pass away at a at funeral, the memorial service. Raise your hand if you've ever had our shepherds pray with you individually or collectively in a time of struggle. That's what good shepherds do. This is nurturing. Put your hands down. James chapter 5, verse 14. Uh, a verse that is known probably pretty well because James is such a short and easily applicable book. He says, um, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, I, I, I know that our shepherds have and have done that for physical illness, and I'm certainly aware that they've done that for spiritual illness. This is, again, one of the things that good shepherds do is that they help nurture the flock. Their love is shown by how they care for us. In other words, we've got to step outside of the elder's office for just a minute, back away from the table, leave the building, go about the messiness of life. And if you have good shepherds, they will be right there with you in prayer or maybe physically present for you Because that's a a good shepherd nurtures the flock. Last and most importantly, good shepherds serve. Shepherds are, are, God bless them. They do what they do out of a true servant heart. And the good shepherds serve in this way. They are more concerned with the 999 other sheep than they are their own comfort, happiness, desires, preferences, their heart is with the 999. Jesus said in John chapter 10, speaking of himself, he said, I am the good shepherd. Now, if we're to follow, as Paul said, the example of Christ, pay attention to what Jesus says. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. We understand, of course, Jesus did that in the ultimate way. But following his example, good shepherds, good elders, do what's in the best interest of the sheep, even if the sheep don't always fully get it. Even if they don't have the ability to fully explain the entirety of the situation to the sheep, we have to trust that the shepherds have at their very heart to serve and not be served. And to love those that they serve. So, let's go about, very specifically, how we go about seeking shepherds at Northside. we got three simple things for you to do. First, pray over those that you nominate. 
Truthfully, I hope that as you put each name down, as individually or as a family, you stop and pray and ask God to lead to whether this man should be a shepherd, uh, whether this man and his wife are a, a good uh, fit for what we have looked at, the biblical qualities. Uh, fast, if you can. Acts chapter 14, verse 23. We read it at the very first lesson. I'm sure that you have memorized that very first sermon that I gave. But just for those of you who haven't, I will remind you that Acts chapter 14, Jesus, or Jesus, Paul is where Luke is giving us this insight. And he says this, he says, when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they had committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Okay, this is not a matter of filling out a form, putting it in a box and saying, well, I handled that. If you've done that, you have not approached this with the seriousness and, and the depth that God asked us to do. Approach it with the fear of the Lord, the love of the Lord, and prayer and fasting. If you're able to physically fast, I pray that you would do that as you consider these men. The second thing is to reread the scriptures. Go back to 1 Timothy 3. Go back to Titus chapter 1. Just let the scripture speak. Third, after you, uh, as you have done these two things, and only after you've done these two things, complete the blue nomination form that you received this morning. And we'll hand that out again next week. There will be extras on the, the booth out here in the foyer if you forget one or lose it or whatever. And after you've prayed over it, consider the scriptures, write down the names of those men that you believe uh, God is calling to, uh, to lead us through the next season. And then turn that into the box. Please do that by June 30th. So you have today, next Sunday, and the Sunday to follow. We ask that you, we want to give you enough time, but we also need to uh, not waste any time as we go forward in the process. So then after we have all of those turned in, our elders will take certainly a time of prayer, of fasting, and, and focus themselves on who a God uh, is uh, raising up for us to lead us. Now, as I've said several times, this is not a political process, okay? It's not a popular vote. They don't go back there and tally votes and say, oh, okay, this, this person got 17 uh, nominations, so that's who's going to be. That's not it. And, and if you're thinking about this in a political way, you misunderstand the kingdom of God. And I don't say that lightly. This is not a political process. This is a process where we engage the congregation and we engage our shepherds and we trust both to work together to seek out the men that God would have us. That's what we want. We don't want the men that we want. We want the men that God wants. And that's very important. And so as we draw near to him through his word and in prayer and in fasting, we are seeking God's heart because he knows the hearts of each and every man sitting here today and even those that aren't with us. He knows the heart of a man, and he knows if they would be fully equipped. You remember, when David was called to be king, he didn't look like a king. He wasn't considered to be a king, but God said, don't pay attention to his outward appearance. Man looks at the outward appearance. Man looks at the color of my tie and the, the button on the thing and, the, you know, all the outward appearances of Toby. God looks at the heart of Toby and of all of you. So seek God's heart so that we seek a man and men after God's own heart. 
And finally, uh, after we have uh, turned those all in, that after the elders take all the time that they need, uh, they will submit to us the names of the men that they uh, believe God is calling us to, that they believe are scripturally qualified, and they'll give our congregation a time to respond. If we know of a reason, biblically, scripturally, that the man should not be an elder or considers a shepherd, uh, we'll need to have uh, you contact our shepherds. But... Then uh, after that time, they will appoint new shepherds at a time of their choosing. Please do not forget that there is a box in the foyer, and we want you to put your questions in there. Now, I checked it uh, before things started up this morning, and I had exactly zero questions, okay? Running out of time here, okay? And I know some of you are thinking, like, well, if there's no questions, then a short sermon, yay! Uh, <laughs> We, we really do want you to understand, and I realize there's lifelong Church of Christ folks that go, I heard First Timothy, I know Titus 1, I get it, I know how the deal goes, but I just, you know, here's, here's the names and all that. P- please approach this thoughtfully, but we have other folks who have come to us who are new to the Scriptures, who are new to Christ, and who ha- this is all very new to them, and I want to speak just to you for a minute. Please, if you have questions... There is no such thing as a dumb question if asked sincerely. If you sincerely are confused, you don't understand, uh, that is your opportunity to learn and to grow, and I'll do my best to answer those in the sermon. So submit those questions, do that today um, so that we can have those ready for next week if you have any other questions. As we think about what shepherds do, may we not forget who the, who the chief chief shepherd is and what he came to do the good shepherd as jesus said lays down his life for the sheep well that's what he does but what does what does what do the sheep do here's what we do we don't invite the shepherd into our hearts we don't uh, pray a prayer that you won't find in scripture now if you want to follow the shepherd you have to do what he said to do If you love the shepherd, as Craig read this morning, you'll obey what he said to do. And here's what Jesus said to do. If you look at Mark 16, 16, simply believe and be baptized, and you can begin today the journey of following the good shepherd. If you haven't done that this morning, I can think of no better time to do that than right now. If you have a a need, a desire to follow Jesus, or if you have any other spiritual need, uh, We'd be remiss if we said our shepherds will be down front to pray with you and for you because they love you and they want to see you in heaven. If we can help you in any way to get to heaven, please come forward this morning as together we stand and sing.